Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about our new book, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse. Caring for Families Caught in in domestic abuse. And that is uh, the commercial as well. So if you have not got your copy of this brand new book, you can find it at New Growth Press, Amazon. There's probably some guy selling it near your house somewhere. Uh, Let me encourage you to go out and get a copy of this book, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse. And with that being said, we have uh, two other contributors to that book, Uh, Joy Forrest and Darby Strickland are with us today on the podcast to talk a little bit about uh, the work that we did on this book. And ladies, I want to start with with this idea. It's a question that may be asked. I know I'm thinking it now that we've written it. Uh, I wrote a book. Joy, you've written a book. uh, Darby, you've written a book all on this topic called to peace. Is it abuse? The heart of domestic abuse. Why do we need another book? And what is it? about this particular work that was so needed. Joy, I'll start with you. What is it about caring for families caught in domestic abuse that called you in, that that's so needed in this work? Well, I would say that it's because it's more comprehensive and holistic. So your book is great for working with abusive uh, individuals. Darby's book your, is so wonderful for helping people, helpers understand the dynamics of abuse. My book was written primarily for victims of abuse. So I just think that it's great to have it all in one place because we've all been referring to one another. So now we've got it all. You're one stop shop. (laughs) (laughs) So, so caring for families is the one stop shop, but certainly don't stop, uh, you know, at, at that information, use it as a springboard. Uh, Darby, what about you? What, what about this work? kind of drew you in? Because I would say, is it abuse? Maybe the most comprehensive work we have in the biblical counseling movement on domestic abuse. What is it about caring for families that was so important for you to be involved? Yeah, I think once we identify oppression, we want to move into help, right? And we can't just help victims in silos. Like I, I really am committed to helping the local church get this right, to friends helping get this right. And it really takes a lot of people um, to come around a situation like this. And I think this book gives that vantage point of all the facets, um, all the players, even children. Um, I really wanted to work on that chapter for children um, because there's just so many people impacted and we have to have a different set of knowledge to really approach each fact piece of this. So we co- we collaborated as a team and we have been for many, many years. People don't know behind the scenes when when I was approached first about this book, and it kind of drug my feet on the the idea of the book. Uh, I was really drawn to the the concept of what if we got a team and had a team based approach. And it's something that we've all been fans of for many many years. And so we've all contributed to different chapters. One that you guys collaborated on together that I thought might be helpful for the podcast listeners. And certainly there's a so much content in this book we won't be able to cover it all. But one that you collaborated together was counseling goals for victims. And to me, this is a, a huge win for biblical counselors, Christian counselors in particular, 
that maybe don't know where to start or don't know how to formulate a counseling process. So Darby, can you talk to us a little bit about why this was an essential topic for you guys to tackle and maybe how did it look collaborating uh, with Joy? It was a pleasure to work with Joy because Joy comes at this at a very personal angle, right? And she was actually able to speak of her own experience and how the trauma impacted her and how the Lord was so faithful in growing her and rescuing her. So that that is just a delight. And I just love Joy's vision. It's not enough to recognize abuse. We want to bring people through it and we want them healed. Um, I just am really particularly wanting to ground people helpers with the basics, right? When we encounter abuse, we're overwhelmed, um, and so, again, we just wanted to give a few simple handholds of this is where you start. This is what love looks like. This is what the Lord's calling us to and make it bite size and doable because it's oppression is so overwhelming. Yeah. So pra- practically speaking, mm-hmm. right, one of the things that we wanted to accomplish was this book with this book is to kind of have a field manual. Mm-hmm. It won't answer all your questions, but it can certainly get you started and so, Joy, I'll, I'll throw a similar question to you. I mean, to to us, listener, to us, she's just Darby Strickland. But to so many of you, she is, uh, she's our author. Like, she speaks for so many of us and has such a, um, visibility in this written space. What was it like, Joy, just to collaborate with Darby on this needed work and to bring your practical wisdom into such a um, a thoughtful chapter with somebody who I know is a deep thinker, very theologically minded. Yeah, well, it was wonderful. Um, I love Darby's work. I love Darby's heart. Yeah. Um, and so as we got started, I mean, she opens the chapter with giving kind of an outline, yeah. and then I just throw in <laughs> a thing here or there. But um, profound things, people. Profound things. Not just a thing. Well, what I really do appreciate about Darby and, um, you know, is the fact that, you know, she's not a survivor of abuse. And yet there are very few people who aren't survivors who seem to get it as well as she does. So to me, it was like working with somebody, you know, we just um, kindred in spirit and and even, you know, just the way we think about abuse. And I, the reason I love working with Darby is that she has this heart of compassion that I believe our Lord has yeah. for victims of abuse. And she sees it so clearly. I think, I, I think it's just a rare thing to have someone, well, you do too, Chris. I'm not, I'm not dismissing you, but I was working with her on this chapter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for, it's a beautiful and rare thing to have people that aren't survivors to, to grasp the concept so well. And so I'm really grateful for both of you and to be a part of it because um, you guys are changing the way things look in this, in our field. I mean, we've seen so much happen in the last four to five years alone. So it's been really a blessing to work with both of you. Um, And I think too, there's so many voices out there. uh, And I I know that Darby's heard me talk about this before. There are a lot of voices out there that are, that are only partly helpful because they validate somebody's experience, but they don't lead them to that healing um, that they so desperately need. And, and they leave them by invalidation. Yes, this is what happened to you. And they just stay angry. So we talk about all of that in the chapter. How do you work through those things? And should you really, of course, the abuse was not your fault, but should you really stay stuck 
um, in anger and frustration because of what you've been through. You know, we, we've heard so much about victim blaming, and I think we've gone to the other end of the spectrum now. So victims can do no wrong and we have to be challenged to grow and to heal. Well said, you know, one thing, and Joy, I'll stay with you for just a moment because you had mentioned how, how things have changed, how much things have changed, but you know, one thing that has stayed the same. And I was so grateful that you guys led with this in the chapter is the need for victim safety. And I think that's an area where the church needs to grow. The church needs to continue to change, needs to solidify and really establish a a more concrete approach to victim safety. Can you talk to us a little bit about the necessity of victim safety in the counseling process and maybe a, a couple tips for how that lives out, how that works out in the actual process of counseling? Well, I think that we should never underestimate the potential for danger and even lethality when you're dealing with domestic abuse. I've been doing this work since 1997, and I have known women who were murdered. And we think that it can't happen because this guy is a Christian. So, But we've had situations um, that were extremely dangerous, dangerous, and we want to always recognize that potential. So just because there hasn't been any physical harm, at least she hasn't admitted to any physical harm, doesn't mean that won't happen. And so working alongside um, experts, I tell people, even through at Call to Peace Ministries, we have trained advocates. We still work with our local domestic violence agency because first of all, I don't want complete liability if something happens. And sometimes you can tell that it's dangerous and that there's a potential for great harm, but sometimes you can't. They can be very um, sneaky. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we involve many sets of eyes looking at this situation um, to determine whether or not there is potential lethality. And we want to always um, put safety as a top priority. And I, I appreciate that you guys decided to make that kind of the the beginning, the very first goal of of this important chapter of counseling goals. And then Darby, you guys build on these stages, and and of course, for the sake of time, we don't have to go through every stage and and nuance. You guys should buy the book if you want to know about the stages. Buy the book, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse. But uh, Darby, I'd love to hear about the importance of a process, because I think unlike some of our other counseling relationships, uh, abuse really has a success path, kind of a path to uh, achieving an, an ultimate goal. Can you call, talk to us a little bit about the counseling process and why it's important to have a vision uh, when working with victims of abuse? Yeah, I'll just say, like, even just right from the outset, a victim is going to disclose certain things to you, but they typically don't trust you enough to disclose all things to you. And so you really can't move them into different repairing or confrontation stages um, until you really grasp what's happening to them. I'll give you an example. If you don't know um, what a woman's actually facing at home, you wouldn't want to confront her spouse or to create a church intervention because it might be dangerous in ways you can't anticipate. Um, or maybe some things you're, you're looking at in the marriage, um, but you yet haven't uncovered what often takes a long time to be disclosed is sexual abuse in the marriage. And having that information definitely changes a trajectory of where you're going to take someone. So I think for me, it was recognizing the discovery phase as counselors. We want to move in and help. We want to create a plan. We want to start thinking about what can I do, but with abuse, we really have to sit longer, um, and so just little things like that, I speak to why the process is so important. 
you know, in every facet of this work, and you'll see this too if you if you read the book or interact with us on working with perpetrators, every facet of this work has stages. And those stages are not always linear. A lot of times they, they're on a, an up and down and back and forth type of pattern. But having at least a clear path forward, I think, is going to be helpful for a lot of counselors who perhaps are trying to either rush ahead to the end point or they're perhaps simply going from meeting to meeting, to case mm-hmm. to case, without having kind of a clear direction on what it looks like to provide for discovery, for healing, and all of the stages uh, in between. But like you said, those stages can go all over the map. Mm-hmm. I re- I remember just in our support groups one time, this woman was going, I don't know why everybody's talking about anger. I just haven't even been angry. <laughs> well, that was semester number one. And by the next year, she was so angry she could spit nails, right. she said. <laughs> and so that's kind of like we do this talk about that a little bit in the book, because we want people to understand that this is definitely not a linear process. And so these are things you want to hit on at some point, but it may be all over the map because a lot of times they're still in the process. They're still being abused. And so it can put them back to square one um, on the anger or whatever it is that they're struggling with. Well, I did a consultation with a counselor last week and she says, Darby, this is maybe the 10th time I've you know, talk to this woman and she's saying, and she's still telling me this. And she's, she felt like she she as a counselor wasn't doing any counseling because all she was doing was receiving the story. And I had to explain to her how beautiful receiving the story is, how important it was for that woman. And she probably needs another three months to unpack 20 years of horror. Right. And, and so I think it's just giving counselors a confidence that this is good and right to do, to bear witness, to sit in the ash heap. We don't have to have an agenda for that. Right. It's just loving well. Right. So I think, again, we want to move in. And I think this helps us know when we, we change gears a little bit. Yeah. So that's, that, I mean, that's chapter five. And obviously we never covered, we didn't cover the whole chapter, friends. So you're going to want to read that. Uh, from our new book, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse. But one of the things we wanted to model, and this will be a theme of every podcast, because we're going to have some some more podcasts with contributors from the book. And each of those podcasts, we're probably going to bring up this point. We believe in teams because we cannot see everything. We cannot accomplish everything. And one of my favorite chapters in the book is actually a team-based response. It's mm-hmm. not clean. It's a It's a a little abrupt when you read it, but I wanted it to be a part of this work because I wanted the reader to see how each of us kind of respond, even in brief, uh, to a similar case. And so in that particular scenario, Darby was functioning as the counselor and I believe Joy as the advocate. And while we've got Joy here, because she's not going to be able to join us for, for many more podcasts can we talk just a little bit, uh, the three of us, about the importance of having an advocate as part of the team? You have to have those counseling goals. You have to have a perpetrator's uh, uh, process worked out. But why is it important to have an advocate, a trained advocate, come alongside to work with a victim? Wow. Well, for one thing, this is just such a um, complex issue. It's so um, overwhelmingly complicated sometimes. that it does require a team. And so the advocate is your boots on the ground person. That's the person who is 
spending time talking to the survivor. Most counselors don't have that kind of time. Um, When I read Darby's book, I said, you know, Darby, you are also functioning as an advocate, right? You are writing this, not just the counselors, but you are writing like all counselors are going to have the time to be advocates and they don't. So the advocate spends a lot of time hearing that story again and again, but knowing what's going on day to day. And I love what you said years ago, Chris, where you said that an advocate can take the 20,000 words that a survivor gives and then turn around and give five bullet points to the team. Because somebody who is traumatized, a lot of times they can't get their story out in a linear fashion either. They don't even know how to describe what's happening to them. So the advocate who is you know, working alongside them can help them put the, you know, put it to words that make sense to other people, because sometimes they just come out very scattered. And then the other thing that they, that advocates do is just help with all the practical details. If you've got time, you know, maybe go sit with court, sit in court with them or um, help them with housing ish situations. There's just a, a multitude of issues that advocates can help with that most churches and, uh, you know, so forth don't have the bandwidth to do. And even if they do have it within their congregations, people that are willing to put in the time, the expertise is really important. So there's a difference between a trained advocate and one who's not. And somebody who understands the dynamics of domestic abuse is also much more likely to recognize potential lethality. Yeah, yeah well said. Darby, what about you as a counselor partnering with advocates or with any other team member uh, which is something we wanted to communicate clearly in this book, the the need for teams. What are some things that you might be able to add to help our listeners understand the the importance of team-based responses? Right. If there's other people attending to different things, if I'm working with an advocate who's checking on safety and helping with the with budgeting or getting extra money for food for the children, helping her sort through different custody situations, right? It frees me up to spend more time counseling. Yeah. It gives me the ability to bring them more fully in a session, the word of God and less time as a social worker, which is going to expedite their healing. Right. And so I think that's just a huge value. Um, And I've worked with advocates who are church-based and I've worked with advocates who are outside the church. And again, it's just, it, we want to connect with the people that we feel comfortable with. Um, And Joy has an advocacy program, right? So if you don't know one, make one, because you're going to need one. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find out more about uh, advocacy training at calledtopeace.org. And certainly you can learn more about our uh, our new book, Caring for Families Caught in Domestic Abuse, A Guide Toward Protection, Refuge, and Hope at New Growth Press. You can also pick this up at Amazon or other places where you buy books. The authors are many, but the truth is essential and unified. And we'd love for you to be a part of that growing work of meeting this problem of domestic abuse head on with gospel-centered solution. Listener, thank you for being part of the PeaceWorks podcast, for taking the time uh, to listen in and to contribute. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know that you value the PeaceWorks podcast. Let the platform that you're listening on know. And one last time, be sure to pick up our new book, Caring for Families, Caught in Domestic Abuse, A Guide Towards Protection, Refuge, and Hope. Till next time, friends. God bless.